0: The Holy Gospel according to Saint Luke, from the ninth chapter, found on page sixteen o nine of your pew Bible. This reading starts off rather abruptly with a, leaving a question in my mind. Any about about eight days after Jesus said this, what's the this? So let's put it in context. In earlier on in this same passage here. It says that Jesus took his disciples to a private place to uh, pray. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us where it is, but archaeologists and theologians uh, theorize that it was in Caesarea Philippi. The kingdom was divided at the time between the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And the northern kingdom built idols so that uh, people could worship there instead of taking the trip down to Judah to worship in God's sanctuary so the reason they picked this particular place to match scripture was that on this big rock on the top they built a golden calf just like during the Exodus and on the face of the rock there was niches carved in it with the, the god of pan below that was a large cave with water gushing out it from a, an underground uh, spring which was known as the gates of hell It was at this place that Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And his reply was, you are God's Messiah. And Jesus also said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now gates are defensive, not offensive. In other words, Jesus was taking the battle right to the enemy. So now, the Gospel reading for today. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to the, a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in the glorious splendor uh, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his uh, companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid. As they entered the cloud, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. All glory to you, Lord. The title of my sermon for today is Full-Time Job. How many of you have or had had a full-time job? Yeah, or maybe a part-time job or several of them. Yeah. Okay. It'll become apparent why I ask that as I go along. There's a lot of talk these days about bringing back and keeping jobs here at home. Many corporations have moved production overseas, found that cheap labor in itself was not as profitable as producing product here in the United States. However, recent events have uh, closed a good portion of small businesses, and some people are no longer able to participate in their careers of their choice and training due to choices they had to, to make decisions. Consequently, these days, there are hundreds of thousands of people who would love to have or need a full-time job or just to, make, just to make ends meet. You've probably been there once or twice yourself, too much month and not enough money. Inflation has taken its toll. I read that some people who have a full-time job don't even make enough to afford the rents these days and are living on the street, forced to take two or three jobs. Even if you have a job these days, you may only be allowed to work 20 hours a week or less in order to save the employer from providing expensive employee benefits. Some uh, even uh, kick in only after the employee has worked their six months. And just before the six months are up, they fire the employee only to hire him back a couple of weeks later and start the six months all over again <sighs> the reason I asked you if you had a full-time job is because actually each of us has multiple full-time jobs some of them actually occurring simultaneously God is the one who employs us in these jobs which encompass every aspect of our life what am I talking about? In Colossians 3:17, we, we we find that there are several whatever you do commands. Whatever you do, do it do it in word and deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In Colossians 3:23, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as to the Lord and not to men. And in Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And third, John 1.5, do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for the stranger. All of these tell us that every aspect of our lives are to be conducted in accordance with God's plan and to his glory. Where do these jobs come from? These jobs are God-ordained and planned for us before we were born. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are his creation in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us that we should walk in them. The word for creation used here more accurately should be uh, interpreted as described as his pinnacle of creation, his opus magnum, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, whatever you can think of as the, the biggest and best creation. And he kind of gives a, an indication of uh, how he values us and, and what he has created in us in the scripture concerning the, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11:6. 6. The Lord said... If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do would be impossible for them. God's saying that his creation, man, can accomplish anything they put their mind to. That said, we are created to work in conjunction with Christ Jesus for good works. In fact, in John 15, it tells us that I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for the, apart from me he can do nothing. That nothing means nothing good God did not just give us all this potential and leave us on our own, no. In his love for us he created good works for us so that we should walk in them we should do them. They are God's calling for us in creating us God gave each of us unique gifts, passions to perfectly fulfill the good works that He prepared for us they are how God carries out His his continuing work of creating new life, providing our and all of society's daily bread everything that we need to sustain society and our individual lives they are jobs like being a man or woman a spouse a father, a mother Brother, sister, grandpa, grandma, great-grandparents as well, a friend, a teacher, nurse, etc. all sorts of jobs that provide products and service for consumption by us and our neighbors. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans 11:29: "For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable." And in uh, Philippians 2:13, he tells us. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives us both the desire and the ability to do them. They are carried out in the family as fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, and all of the relationships and interrelationships. In the church, we are all sisters and brothers adopted into God's family, carrying out all the duties and to keep the congregation healthy (laughs) <laughs> Got a little bug bothering me And relationships to keep the congregation whole The workplace Doing our work is unto the Lord And not the boss Doing our best Even when the boss isn't looking Because we're working as unto the Lord In public office Carrying out our discipleship Reflecting God's attributes To the world around us it's a part of being a disciple and fulfilling our part in society. We are to be net producers, not consumers. We are to produce more than we consume. And everything we do, being a friend, providing a service or goods, so that the extra is available to bless those in need. When we realize that everything that we do is a part of God's plan, it changes our attitude towards performing our jobs, wholeheartedly. Enthusiastically to the best of our ability and to God's glory. It's how we take up our cross and love others as we are commanded to do. Every day we sacrifice our precious time and energy for the benefit of others. It's having goals outside of ourselves. This is the sacrifice that produces a healthy society and fulfills God's plan for society. Discipleship was around before Jesus was even born. Discipleship was practiced in the northern part of Galilee. And um, it consisted of schooling. Uh, Just for the sake of uh, discussion here, their equivalent of free school taught the children how to read and write. Then came middle school, which taught the children to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. I can't even imagine myself remembering all five books word-for-word. Word. And then after that would come high school, which taught them the theology of the, of the scriptures. After this, they had a choice to make, either to return to the family business or finding a rabbi to follow and become like him. Most students returned to the family business the family business consisted of things like growing grapes and figs, wheat, or things like fishing and raising sheep, etc. Each family member relied on the others for the welfare and protection of the family. Everything you did as a family member either brought honor or disgrace to the family. Those that chose to go on further would choose a rabbi they wanted to become like and ask him if they were qualified to be his disciple. Jesus turned things around and chose his disciples instead of the disciples choosing him. Jesus told his disciple to come follow me. I know you can become like me. Five out of the 12 disciples came from the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, where discipleship was already practiced. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip, all came from Bethsaida. Like the rabbi's disciples, Jesus' disciples followed him around day and night to observe how he acts and reacts. Is he the same in private as he is in public? The goal of discipleship is to become like the rabbi, the teacher. The same is true for us, to become like Jesus, Jesus chooses us and we did not choose him. John 15:6 You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should, ab- should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. Once again we see that our salvation is ab- is about what Jesus did for us, his sacrifice made it possible for God the Father to give us his gift of grace freely given and freely received. Our only action, our only response, is to accept the gift and, and express our gratitude by becoming good disciples. Our callings are full-time endeavors, full-time jobs. As we follow Jesus every day of our lives, The four, whatever you do, instruct us to do all in the name of the Lord, to the glory of God, to the brethren and the stranger, wholeheartedly as to the Lord and not to men. And in doing this, you have borne witness to the love of God. It's a part of having a living faith and not a dead one. Doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Doing something that demonstrates faith. For faith with no effort is no faith at all. It is a dead faith. True faith is performing little acts of love to those around us. I heard of a pastor who told of a woman in his congregation that came to him troubled because she felt that she had not done enough for the Lord. He asked her, how are your two sons doing? She said that, well, Tom is now a missionary in India teaching on the life of Jesus. And how about Henry? Oh, oh, he's pastoring a church in Kentucky for the last seven years. The pastor replied and said, and you think you haven't done enough for the Lord? It doesn't take great acts. It just takes sharing God and his word and his love to those around you to fulfill your discipleship we're not alone in our our work for God all of us have received the Holy Spirit to dwell in us when we accepted God's gift of grace it is by his power his presence that we can ask him to lead us each day in all righteousness abiding in the Lord Jesus is like is the key to bearing much fruit to the glory of the Father again in John 15 The parable of the vine Tells us that I am the vine, you are the branch If you remain in me And I in you, you will bear much fruit Apart from me you can do nothing Continuing on in verse 8 This is This is to my father's glory That you bear much fruit Showing yourselves to be my disciples If you keep my commands You will remain in, in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Abiding requires obedience. It is the key to loving our neighbor by carrying out our vocations, our full-time jobs. Therefore, according to the Apostle Paul, we would fulfill the whole law of God. In Galatians 5.14, the Apostle Paul says, The whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. In doing so, you fulfill the whole law. In fact, James calls it the royal law. To buy, to stay connected, we need to study and and read scripture, to pray often, ask the Holy Spirit each morning to lead us in all righteousness, becoming Christ-like, becoming like the rabbi, reflecting the love of God to all those around us, and performing, performing little acts of love. God is the one who employs us in these jobs, each encompassing every aspect of our lives. God equipped us for each of us for the work he planned for us to fulfill our part in society. These are the vocations or full-time jobs God ordained us to carry out in his work of creating new life, providing for an orderly society and for our daily bread. They are the means for us to fulfill his command to love your neighbor and to, his, and to God's glory, taking our cross up each day, dying to self, becoming more Christ-like, sacrificing our precious time, energy, and talents for the good of others. Please uh, bow your heart in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, help us to carry out the good works you have planned for us to your glory. All glory and honor to you, O Lord. No other is worthy, worthy of our praise. And help us to demonstrate our love to the world around us your love to the world around us. Help us to pick up our cross each day, crucifying the old Adam, and resurrect us into the image of Christ Jesus, to sin less each day, sacrificing our valuable time and energy to benefit of others and to your glory. This is not by our own power and might, but by yours. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with all glory to you, Father, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, Amen. In Jesus' name.